Good morning, folks. Thank you for worship team. I discovered they are all men today. As a lady pianist, Caroline is there. All right, also welcome those who are watching online. Happy that you join us for this movement of worship together. So I pray the Lord will really give up a message or maybe messages to take home and uh, send the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, because this morning we are talking on the theme Pentecost Sunday, as we observe. Uh, let's break a bit more on Pentecost here. But first of all, let's look at the scripture. Uh, the Lord lay upon my heart to share this text from Acts chapter 1, reading from 1 to 8. Of course, the actual feeling of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, when they were gathered together and the promise of the Holy Spirit came upon the line. So now look at chapter 1 of Acts, uh, verse 1 to 8. Uh, let me read and go through with you. In my former book, Luke, as the writer of this chapter, or the whole Acts, his first book is the Gospel of Luke. So he said, in my former book, addressing the same person, Theophilus. Theo is like God, and Philus is friend, as a person that God loves, or beloved God. I wrote about that Jesus began to do and to teach. In fact, Luke is describing the last day or the time that Jesus would be on earth. Until the, day he, until the day he was taken up to heaven, and after giving instruction to the Holy Spirit, to the apostle he had chosen about the Lord himself, then after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And then he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and spoke about the kingdom of God. Interestingly, he testified, or the writer, Jesus was still around for 40, day, 40 more days after the resurrection. So not just resurrected on the third day, but extended somewhere on 40 days here on earth. And uh, I've seen by many people. But then on one occasion while he was eating, the Lord was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist did what the baptism of water, but you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So the listeners or the disciples were quick to respond and say, Lord, I'm going to tell us the kingdom of God will be back because they long to have that kingdom because they are under the authority of the Roman Empire. They want to be restored, the people of God. Then he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So the coming of Jesus, or restoring the kingdom of God, only God knows. But, in verse 8, 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, there's the neighbor, and Sumeria, further down, and to the ends of the earth, or to the outermost part of the earth. In one translation, put it. So in other words, not worry so much about the kingdom of God will restore or come. That will be. But first of all, you'll be my witnesses. Do the work that I'm going to entrust to you. Pass on the good news, the gospel. That Jesus came, died on the cross, and rose again on the third day, and be a new person in God. So be my witnesses, the Lord say. Okay, let us pray then. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time that we can gather together as a church and joining those loved ones who are watching online that believe the Lord, the Spirit Himself will be our guide, our leader, our teacher, watching and leading us, convicting and convincing us of the truth before us, that we will continue to be obedient to what you have for us. To guide us, Lord, to this time, in Jesus' name, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Alright, the rest of the chapter 1, you can see how they find a replacement of Judas, the one who betrayed the Lord Jesus. Then you jump into chapter 2, about how on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon their lives. But here the word Pentecost simply means in Greek, 50. But you look at the Old Testament uh, setting, the Jewish people have these festivals on many. The first one they celebrate was called the Passover. Remember the word Passover? Pass them by. In Exodus chapter 12, where the Lord say, you need to totter a lamb, spread the blood over your doorway, when the angel of death Pass by, will not take away the firstborn, or pass it by. Well, the Egyptian folks don't know. Therefore, most of the Egyptians' uh, firstborn died, including Pharaoh's son. So that's the Passover. The Jewish, continue, Jewish people continue to celebrate, and also in a way to preparing the coming of Jesus as a Lamb of God, who shed his blood, washed our sin and give us new life in God. That will be hotels in the Old New Testament. Then the Passover is here, that after 50 days, they will celebrate what they call the Festival of Pentecost, or the Grain Festival, where they offer the first grains of the harvest to God. Now this to me very significant, because God wants them to remember the provision of God in their life, so whenever your first harvest, that belongs to God. In other words, give the best to God. Your first fruit. Don't give the leftover folks. We know we don't want to waste things. We sometimes keep. But never mind. Give the best to God first. You, you eat the leftover. So here, the Pentecost is kind of given this significant. And some of the New Testament, you see, they were the day of Pentecost. 
the people are coming to celebrate in Jerusalem. And at that point, the promise of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And mentioned in chapter 2 of Acts. And also that was to see the beginning, the birth of the church in Jerusalem. And here we realize because of the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the languages, speaking in tongues. The languages, the people around them understand them. Some even say maybe they got drunk. Don't know what they are talking. But if you know your language, you know they are, what they are talking. And that's what Peter will clarify. So I realize that God has equipped the people to do ministry. Even though they may be different people, but they were given the language to speak to the people. I remember as we talk, talk about the Methodism that grew in Singapore, God had used a man, a bishop, James Tobin, originally from India, uh, U.S., and then signed to India to do the church planting work. And from India, he came to Singapore, landed here in 1885. And according to history book tells us, he preached the first sermon on the text of Zechariah, Four verse six, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, say the Lord. The first sermon our local community heard was even a stack that the preaching the work of God began to the work of the Holy Spirit. I will say hallelujah, because now into the Methodist churches here in Singapore. So let's open to the voice of the Spirit and see how God will lead us today. Now, pause for a moment. I want to share a humor with you I, as I enjoy. Just a humor earlier. It was say, uh, there's a congregation, not very large, maybe 200 people, gathered that Sunday morning. Then the pastor made a special announcement. He said, folks, I want to give you this announcement that if you know your wife is controlling you, please move to your left. Now, I'm not asking you to do now. And uh, most of the men quickly get up the seat and move to the left. But then left one still sitting. And pastor was very happy and said, wow, today I see a strong man here. So he looked at the gentleman and said, How come your wife cannot control you? Then the gentleman replied, Let me tell you, it is my wife who told me not to move. <laughs> Powerful wives. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed the humor here. But I also clear that Pastor William Sam last Sunday preached a sermon that in one of his sentences or statements he said this, that besides listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, the next voice that we listen is the wife. Oh, ladies. It 
blew my mind because I already have this in mind to share with you folks this morning. That it confirmed I must share the human life. <laughs> it's prophetic. But this morning I like to focus on the voice of the Holy Spirit. Not wives. Huh? Thank God for all the wives. But we know you like to like to nag something like that. <laughs> Sorry to use the word. But it's a nice voice. Huh? It's sweet one. Huh? You can't find elsewhere. But... Things like that. So this morning meditation really to help us is to focus down to the voice of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Especially I'm assigned to preach on Pentecost Sunday. But you look at the text in Acts 1 and 2, it kind of linked together one the other. Because the Lord talked about a promise, and Acts 2, you see the fulfillment of the promise to come. And then you realize in chapter 1, it talk about the resurrection of Jesus. At Luke, the gospel writer, has written here, that he even moved around with people for 40 days more and to testify of his presence in body, bodily form. But at the same time, you realize, as you read on in chapter 1, the disciple also witnessed the ascension of Jesus into heaven. The angel could claim, looking and say, well, folks, you now looking at the sky to see how Jesus Raising up, and the same Jesus will come back one day. We don't know when. The way that he has gone up, Jesus will return. And we talk about the second coming of Jesus. I'm not sure how long, but the preparation is you need to pray and watch. Don't take things for granted in the spiritual realm that God has set for us. But now back to the disciples. As you realize when Jesus was taken up, the Lord himself makes sure there's a replacement for him. You see, when I go, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Teacher, will be with you all. And true enough, when he left them, the replacement came, came in, the Holy Spirit himself, and to remind them, you are my witnesses, not only in the local home, Jerusalem, to the neighborhood, to the far end of the earth. You are to be my witnesses. The teaching here is Jesus never leave us alone, and he ensure that we continue the task he has started in the life of the disciples. And so folks, we are disciples today. We are witnesses. We are to ensure the mission of Jesus continues in our midst. Met then in 1885, Bishop Tobin came and started the Methodist Church and to have this Methodist Church that we are having today. So I always told people that our Methodist Church is a very old church. 1885 to now, how long, folks? Make a rough calculation. So here you can see the movement of God, the Spirit, continue in our midst. So I ask ourselves this question, are we ready for the mission that God has entrusted for us? 
from one generation to another. I believe we would like to. And I would like to share two areas with you this morning to remind us how we can continue in this spirit. First of all, the first point for us to think of is who then is the Holy Spirit? Yeah, some of us are already very familiar with this teaching in us. Mind you folks, it's not just the teaching. Who is the Holy Spirit? There is something beyond, beyond that. First of all, we realize the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We call it three in one. But it's a bit difficult to explain or understand. We call it the Godhead concept of three personalities, but with the same spiritual realm, equal in that standing. And the scripture has affirmed the presence of the Holy Trinity in like Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The Spirit of God moved among the surface of the earth, or the water. Then in Genesis 1, 26, 27, let us make man a poorer form. In our image, then Matthew 28, 19, talk about the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. What to do with them? Baptizing them in the name of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, Holy Trinity is present. Then in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the benediction we always pronounce, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be among us. You all there, and you all there present with us, giving us the blessing. Uh, blessing. So the spiritual realm always has the Holy Trinity in mind. We cannot miss one the other. And we cannot address the Holy Spirit as it. It never be it. He has a personal pronounce that He will come. He will fill up. He will teach us and He will guide us. There are a few verses here I'd like to show you that He is a comforter. John 14, 26. He is a guide. John 16, 13. He brings glory to the Father and to the Son. John 16, 14. And He has intelligence Knowledge, 14, 26, 26, as a will, 1 Corinthians child 11, and emotions and so on. A spirit cannot lie. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, talk about the couple who sold the property and donate to the church, but they didn't give all to the church. They kept some. And Paul asked, or the Peter, they all asked him, Are you sure you did? Say yes. But then why you lie against the Holy Spirit? And both were dead. They thought. Then we realize the Spirit can grieve. Ephesians 4.30 can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 can be resisted. Acts 7. 51 and blasphemy Matthew 12 31. You see, there are reaction to the Holy Spirit here. 
or can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in all these aspects. Then Paul, in fact, writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 13, about the wisdom given by the Spirit in the ministry. This is what Paul writes. These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 10, 13. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, or deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit with them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual reality and spirit-taught words. And Paul is very conscious about the Spirit leading in his life, that he does not come with human wisdom, but wisdom from above, Spirit-given a wisdom for him to do the ministry. There are other subjects of features mentioning the scripture, things like the gift of the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit, then the area of speaking in tongues. Uh, if not, this sermon could just say more of this, but we will wait for next time. Uh, another preacher will touch on all these subjects with us. But since we are into the Pentecost Sunday this morning, uh, my desire and focus will be on the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Spirit in us. So, the first one is talk about who the Holy Spirit is. Then now the second point is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. How you and I experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The first part seems to be the theory. We talk or learn about who the Holy Spirit is all about. Part of the Trinity and this and that. But I think more importantly for us today is to have the infilling or indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The point like how you, you and I come to know God, the conversion experience, is really by the woof of the Spirit. Like Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3, asking, then the Lord said, you need to be born again. How do you experience that born again? How can I go back to my mother's womb again? Nicodemus asked. They don't need. We are talking about the spiritual birth. The Holy Spirit will come by and minister to you that conversion. The spiritual birth. And so how we need to have power by the Holy Spirit today. And this is how the disciples themselves have gone through that in the day of Pentecost when they all feel all, the scriptures say, filled with the Holy Spirit, they were all changed. They could speak in tongue and minister to one another. They no longer need to hide themselves as the disciples or believers of Jesus Christ. They can speak openly about the faith Especially you can see Peter taking the lead or taking the lead to do the preaching boldly, 
talk about the life, ministry, the death of Jesus, leading to his resurrection, and even his ascension here on earth. So much so, to work of the Spirit, people were convinced and challenged and moved, and they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. I love that. That means he really break them in all angers. And I ask the question, what must they do? And Peter's response to that 3,000 folks is that you need to repent and be baptized. I think this is a beautiful response that we will have. You need to repent and be baptized. Of course, I guess many of you are baptized. We are not, it would be good to sign up for a membership class to come so that we can give you some teaching and prepare you for the great day, the baptism. But importantly, to remind us about repentance. You see, we need to always ask God to search our heart, to re-examine ourselves once again. Thought, where have I gone wrong with you? I need your grace and forgiveness. Not just really hearing the preaching, but deep enough to allow the Holy Spirit to search us, that you will be cut to the heart and let God be God in your life. So here the scriptures say 3,000 were won into the kingdom of God through the preaching of Peter. They were challenged and responded to God beautifully. So in other words, if you hear the preaching, the word of God, don't just sit around, get out and walk and do something and turn your life back to God in a manner that will be pleasing to God. And this is how the people responded. And this is how in the history book will tell us John Wesley, the founder of the Methodism, preached the people openly. They're all convicted by the Holy Spirit, convinced by the Spirit in their life. They, either they are drunken or prisoners or the outcast society. They all embrace with the gospel and the love of God and repent their life altogether. Quote and quote, there was like revival happened in UK that turned the country upside down, society and the culture to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of John Wesley and his team. And folks, when you read about revival, it really triggers your heart. I have something to share with you this morning on revival, taken from a book I read. And just go into the few chapters of the book, we could feel how the Spirit's movement was so strong in those days. This book is written by the pastor, evangelist, Reverend Stephen Hill. And he is one of the pastors, or he was then one of the pastor preacher at those revival meetings uh, in Brownville Assembly of God Church. And according to his book, numerous testimony were shared how people were touched by the Spirit in the life and chained them all together. 
And so this is very true in the word of the, the shedding here, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit can come about to us. According to the book, it said, there was this draw of people going to Brownville Assembly of God in Pensacola, in Florida, in the U.S. The book title is The Pursuit of Revival. As I say, you just read into the few chapters, it will be enough to warm your heart about the movement and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the church. According to Stephen, or Steve, you call him, one of those evangelists who preached in those revival nights, that how he himself was converted, experienced the touch of God from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of drug abuse, into what God had made him to be one of those revivalists in the church, in the meeting. And it is reported that revival fell on the church started in June 18, 1995. Brownview Church expected actually only maybe a few nights of meeting, then maybe a rally, a gospel rally. But it turned out from just a few nights into a few weeks, and from a few weeks into months and into years, at least two years of the kind of revival meetings. It's not just touch and go, folks. It's a long working of the Spirit in many lives. And it will say that many lives were touched by the Spirit of the living God that no one in those days could imagine. Thousands of people queued up for nightly services in the church. And even people will park the car around the area waiting to park into the church compound. They parked there overnight, waiting for the parking lot, for the church compound to come. And there are people coming all over the world, like from Japan, Uganda, Scotland, Germany, Australia, and so on. To flock to see the revival meetings that God had for them. And did you say that Pensacola, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was amazing? The many lives were changed and developed, having a de- developed uh, deeper relationship with God through the revival fire that God has spread in the hearts. So much so there was this hunger for God. Folks, we need to be hungry or hunger for God. Uh, we know we only go for food. Uh, what about God himself? Very little. But here you can see people flock to the church, get a touch of the Spirit in their life. According to those testimony they receive, the people not only receive the gift of the salvation, but they are joined by testimony of healings. That in Steve's word, we see miracles, miraculous healing that cancerous tumors disappear, drug addiction set free immediately, and many others. There will be weeping and sobering of the sin and of the past to feel the presence of God in their life. 
Finally, the revival ended in the year 2000. So 1995 to the year 2000. Five good years. In fact, in the New York Times wrote a caption of this. The revival of Bronze uh, View Assembly is apparently the largest and the longest running revival in America in almost a century. It never happened. But the Lord continued to work in the midst of that. So folks, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is still alive with you and me today. All you need to do is to pray and pray and believe the gift of the Holy Spirit will be upon us. I got another testimony here to share with you to see the work and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, this testimony is given by our colleague brother James. Uh, actually, he is not a stranger to us if you know him. He is among us. Uh, I do not want to review his name. I'm not sure whether it's nice. But he shared this with us in the recent testimony in the membership class. Uh, according to him, his background, he came from a well-to-do family. His father was very rich to us. Then when he was young, he went havoc, I'll use the word, and addicted with gambling, especially playing with jackpot. Uh, folks, we play with that. Watch ourselves. In the early days, he actually lost a lot. Five to seven millions. Because you see, his income was not bad in those days. Almost 50k a month in his job. Therefore, he got so much money to lose. So much so, even he has to sell two condominiums and some property. You see how rich he was? But then he came to census, according to his testimony. He was asking himself, how could he get rid of this addiction in him? Then one day he walked out from the casino. He met a church worker, telling him, when are you going to stop all this gambling? I guess this church worker is working with those gambling drugs addicts. They say, please follow me today. I'll bring you to a Christian fellowship and learn something about God. But he went. He joined the Christian group there and he was happy to share his background that he wanted to quit gambling. But lo and behold, not many people believe him. In fact, when I heard also, eh, wow, you can lose five to seven million a lot of money, right? Maybe a few hundred thousand can, uh, five to six or seven million. He got disappointed with the church community who could not give him a warm response about his background and testimony. But thank God, he said a reporter came to him and helped about his thoughts, story and testimony and prepared to publish it for him in the newspaper. And not so much to kind of broadcast his background, his life, but find that he's 
life was interesting now to put in the newspaper. But to that, he was thankful. Our brother James was thankful that at least someone cared enough to believe him. And he was happy to share. And then he showed me the paper cutting to how this testimony was published in the newspaper. And because of that, he had lifted his spirit up that his conversion or his turning to God could be real. Someone had accepted his testimony. So not long ago, then he got himself baptized in the church and be a member of the church. And lo and behold, folks, not long ago, he transferred membership to us. As I say, he is among us today. Uh, not just a story, folks, not a fairy tale. But with evidence about his past background published in the newspaper and how he had gone through. But today, you look at him and talk to him, he's very happy. I'm, I'm glad the Lord had accepted me and helped me to kick the habit and transform my life. And to me, this is how the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes about. That you can do something in your lives and God can make it a beautiful one for you. If you are still struggling it, keep praying and allow the Holy Spirit to work in them. For God is always at work and He is always available for you and me. Amen? So don't put the Holy Spirit as a theory, a hate knowledge. But allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and transform us all together. Whatever bad habits we have, whatever things that you need to make right with God, submit yourself to the work of the Spirit. Amen. In conclusion, as we observe the Pentecost Sunday, I will call it the infilling of the Holy Spirit in us, or the during the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, that you will learn about the Holy Spirit Himself, that you will not miss the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Give your life to Him and let Him do something for you. I believe something beautiful will happen to you. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, we want to thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit among us and continue to challenge, to teach and to guide us that we know that we are not alone but we will have the power and strength of the Holy Spirit to change our lives and change it for the better. So we pray for these dear ones who are here this morning that we will not resist the Spirit but willing to give ourselves to leading the Spirit in full obedience to Him. In Jesus' precious name, our Lord, we pray. Amen.